So I don't really care how many people read it. I just care whether or not they care about it enough to share. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. You're tuned into episode 69 of Traffic Jam. I'm your host, James Reynolds. And in just a moment, you'll be listening to me and my guest, Dan Norris, who I've invited on the show to talk all about content marketing. Everything from content strategy to building your own content marketing team and also how to leverage your existing audience into a new business model for almost instant profits. And that's what Dan did with his business, WP Curve. We'll be telling the story of that on this episode. But before we get to the interview, I just want to tell you very quickly about an upcoming event. On the 29th of April 2015, I'll be holding a webinar called The Three Most Important Elements of a High-Ranking Website and How to Optimize Them to Double Your Traffic and Your Sales in the Next Six Months. So if you want to learn how to better your search engine optimization, increase your ranking, traffic and your sales, then tune in to this webinar. To get your seat, you need to go to veravo.com forward slash webinar. That's veravo, V-E-R-A-V-O.com forward slash webinar, where you'll find all the event details and you can, of course, from that page, instantly register. Now, incidentally, if you do go to that page after the event itself, it will give you details of our next upcoming online event. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So now it's time for me to introduce our guest, As mentioned at the top of the show, his name is Dan Norris, and he's from a business called WP Curve, which is a company that offers 24-7 unlimited WordPress maintenance and support. And it's a business he's been running now for a little over 12 months with huge success. Now, Dan's someone I actually have known about for quite some time, but only got to meet in person about a month ago where we were both speaking at an event in Sydney. And Dan was chronicling the success of WP Curve and what seemed to be instrumental behind its growth, which has been incidentally astronomical over the course of the last 12 months. What seemed to be at the core of that was the basis of content marketing and an audience that Dan had built up for several years prior to launching WP Curve. So today I'm going to talk to Dan about what his content strategy is, how he's implemented it and where he's taking it from here. It's a very frank and open discussion, which is very much Dan's style. I'm sure you're going to love it. So without any further ado, let's dive into the interview and welcome to Traffic Jam, Dan Norris from WPL. So hey, 
Hey, welcome back, listeners. You're tuned into episode 69 of Traffic Jam. And today we're joined by Dan Norris from WP Curve. Dan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm just trying to think how many podcasts I've done. I've got a feeling you might have just passed me with me as a guest, which is kind of weird. Really? Well, there you go. Yeah. 69. I've done 68. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe this is some kind of uh, bingo game we're playing. Anyway, it's all, uh, it's all good fun. We're going to be talking a bit about content marketing today. That's going to be the main sort of topic of conversation. You, as a marketer, you know, overall, really seem to have sort of hung your shingles in content marketing over kind of all of the other, you know, approaches that you could have used to market your business. Why particularly did you choose content marketing as kind of your main business driver for all of the businesses that you've been involved with? There's only one reason, and that is because it's the only form of marketing that I don't suck at and that I actually enjoy doing. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that was necessarily the response I was expecting to hear, but I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, that's what I tell people, if they can do something that they're good at, um, that they enjoy doing, then they're better off doing that than trying to copy everyone else and try to do a million different things. And that's deliberately what I did when I started uh, the company before this one, which ultimately failed, but the, the content didn't fail and um, I kind of over a couple of years built up a following and I was able to use that when I launched WP Curve. Mm. And that's an interesting point, actually. I mean, how much of your kind of current business success can you kind of attribute to your, you know, your dedication to content, even through the times when your other businesses weren't doing that well? Like how far ahead did it put you when you came to launch WP Curve a, a year or so back? Well, well, I'll never know exactly, but I do know that we haven't spent any money on advertising. And um, I know that when I launched WP Curve, I had about 10 people sign up in the first week and they all came from my list. And I assume, I assume they signed up because they had a fair amount of trust already because I've been you know, emailing them for a year and writing a bunch of content and doing podcast interviews and that kind of thing. So I think they, they were probably less hesitant to be less worried about signing up um and from there we've i've continued on with the content and we've just focused on word of mouth and content marketing as sort of like the only ways to market business and so i think from that point of view i'd have to say it's been quite successful well i guess the point here is really i mean if you're doing content regardless of the business it's based around if indeed it is based around a business what you're really doing is building up an audience which you can really transfer anywhere if that level of trust has been adopted with that end sort of market in mind right i mean we look at people like i don't know i guess john at entrepreneur on fire would be a classic example right he spent a lot of time building up an audience before he actually launched a sort of a business around it but because he had that following it allowed him to sort of tap into that very very quickly and i guess the same seems to have been true for you with wp curve as well right yeah i mean i never really built up the kind of following that he has i don't think um like that's the same sort of level of following. Um, but I, I think I, I built up just enough trust and credibility to get people to, to kind of talk about what I was doing. And and also sort of did that thing where, which, which he started to do later on, which was the like the monthly reports where I was sort of documenting everything I was doing. And I was doing that for a, a whole 12 months before I was making any money. Like I was trying to make money and failing. So they were kind of interesting reports. <laughs> um, and, and they gradually got more interesting as I started making more money and, and having more success. So I kind of had that journey thing happening uh, before WP Curve and we continue it, continued it afterwards. And um, yeah, I think so, some of that trust and authority is transferable. 
Um, but but more to the point, I think during that time, I just learned how to do good content marketing. And mm. so at the start of that, I was writing a lot of content that was just not going anywhere. And I was just writing posts after posts on my site that wasn't getting traction. And I think I learned over that time, you know, what works, what what I'm reasonably good at doing, what's resonating with people. And then I was able to do it much, much more frequently um, as, as WP Curve started to take off. I guess this might be a, a juncture to talk about kind of your approach to candor and transparency because one thing that you do is you um, publish these reports detailing your income and what the business has been up to for the month but I think also just generally in what you do throughout your content there does seem to be this element of candor and transparency there even to the point when I asked you before this interview can you share a secret that no one knows about you said well actually I don't think there is one like pretty much everything is out there for people to see and to read how important do you think that being transparent is in really supporting strong content marketing efforts well, I think it's just one way to differentiate yourself. And um, I'm, I'm sort of digging into this stuff now, writing my new book, because I'm sort of thinking about, well, what what's different about the people who have had good success with content marketing versus the ones who haven't? And um, it's something that people don't talk about a lot, but just just having that differentiator, like you mentioned, John Dumas, he's one of the guys I'm I'm talking about in the book. And like he had one very slight differentiator when he launched and that was that he's he did a podcast every single day yeah and otherwise his podcast and his content is not really that much different to everything else that's out there like there was heaps of entrepreneurship podcasts out there mixology is kind of a similar format um but he had that that one differentiator of i'm going to do this every single day and that just snowballed into this massive ball of momentum and attention for him um and in my case i think the the differentiator has been around my sort of genuine desire to help people and to, to be transparent about what I'm doing because I think it's interesting and that's kind of just my style of content and that's what I've noticed works. Um, so I, I think it's like it would be a mistake for someone else to say, well, uh, monthly reports are working for Pat Flynn and Dan Norris, so I should do that. But it would be the right thing for them to kind of think about what they're good at and how they can differentiate and um, and do more of that and what's working, you know, in their case. Well, you mentioned the book just then. I think the title's Content Machine, which I guess signifies to me that there is some form of sort of frameworks and systems or maybe mechanics kind of built into your approach with content marketing. What are kind of some of the key systems, frameworks, et cetera, that people might need in place to really make content marketing work for them as it has done for you? Well, the, the the thing that's been interesting to me is going through the journey of starting this blog, uh, the WP Curve blog from scratch and then exiting myself from that. So um, that's really caused me to think about, to sort of put all the systems in place that I've had to put in with WP Curve itself because that's growing and I can't do all the work anymore um, and do that with our content. So we now have a full-time content manager. We've got a bunch of writers who create content for us. We've got procedures for everything. And we've got, like you mentioned, we've got frameworks for things like coming up with ideas. Um, another one for breaking up ideas into a bunch of different posts. Um, so, so you might have like a broad topic. So in our case, maybe we would write something about remote working, for example. Um, that's a broad topic that our audience is interested in, but how do we create that into five or six different pieces of content um, and release those over a couple of months rather than just having one post and kind of having to move on to a whole new idea. Um, and then and then lots of stuff around like 
what procedures do you have for uploading and creating content, for promoting content? Um, what what documentation do you give guest writers so they know exactly what to do and what expectations you have? Um, what process do you go through for formatting images and publishing and writing excerpts and doing basic SEO on the post, all of that kind of stuff, um, and then getting as deep into automation and sequences and and like retargeting and things like that that happen after you put content out as well. So that's the that's kind of the stuff I want to give away in the book in terms of like downloadable resources to help other people do the same thing. Um, and it's as much about creating good content as it is about making sure that it doesn't fall back on you as an individual, because if you're going to create a business that's going to grow, then it, it really can't be you that creates all the content forever. No. And how many of those sort of frameworks or documents existed whilst you were doing it? Did, did you have any of those in place or has this been purely through that process of transferring you as the content marketer to someone else as the content marketer? Has that been when they've actually been created and generated? No, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at creating processes, even if it's only me or like one person on my team doing it. So I've had most of this stuff, things like our guidelines for creating content or like our guest posting guidelines um, or our strategy. Like we've had that stuff written down uh, in, in different formats pretty much since I started. Um, but a few things have made us get a lot more organized. One is like allowing other people to create content on our site which I didn't really used to do because it was just too much work. And the other was um, we've now got a full-time content manager who manages the whole thing. And so for me to train that person up, the, the sensible way to do that is to make sure that every single process we've got is really consistent um, and really detailed. And so he can just kind of look at that. And then if there's something wrong with the process, he can tell me. Um, and then I kind of realized that at the end of doing all of that, I had all of these resources that would be useful for other companies. So I kind of thought I, thought I'd sort of start documenting that in book form. And I guess one fed the other, other to some extent, like um, when I started writing the first part of the book, which is about just like fundamentals and how do you know what good quality content is? I went back through the old WP curve blog posts and dug up, like looked at what posts went well and looked at the criteria for different posts that went well. And like, what were the sort of things that we built into our process that we noticed got traction on our site, like what were the kind of characteristics of a, of a good blog post. Um, and then we built that into a framework that we can use in the book and give to other people. So that the ones that one thing sort of fed the other. Seems like kind of ironically, you've um, you know, made yourself redundant from doing content marketing and then you've um, given yourself a book project. So it seems to have <laughs> sort of done full circle, right? Well, yeah, but I've also got um, other businesses that I, that I do content for as well. Like I've got this uh, Black Ops Brewing, which is a, a brewery that we're building on the Gold Coast. And like, the, I'm really enjoying doing the content for that because it's, because it's not, it's like a, not a very advanced industry in terms of content marketing. Like um, we get, we get good rewards for really simple content. Like we can just put out, like, this is what we're doing. Like th these are our recipes, like nothing really revolutionary, but we get really good rewards from that because it's really unique because other people aren't doing it. So I kind of get more motivation from writing that stuff myself than I do from writing the entrepreneurship stuff now. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm able to do the sort of content that motivates me. And if, these sort of podcast interviews are another one. I really like doing these. Um, and so it's good. I don't have to do the, the content for our site cause I can do a lot more of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to find out, I guess, mainly selfishly kind of how you've managed to sort of transfer that effort from yourself doing content marketing to someone else. Obviously, you've had to create a lot of systems and frameworks and brief them and get very sort of structured and rigid about sort of processes. What other sort of 
things have you uncovered through that process? Perhaps pitfalls or, you know, little insights that might help someone like me who's kind of looking at the idea of giving someone else the initiative for content marketing or perhaps listeners out there who are also keen just to take one more thing off their plate and assign it to someone else. A lot of people say like, I want to do content marketing, but I don't want to do it myself. And I think that's fine. Although I think it's really important that at least the strategy is sound and at least the the person who owns the business knows what good quality content is. And so I, I spend a fair amount of time on that in the book because I think that it's okay to have someone else doing your content, but if they're not doing good content, then it's a complete and utter waste of time. So you cannot, you can find that out the hard way, I think, by doing a lot of content yourself and um, testing things with your audience. But you also need to know what to pay attention to. And you need to know, like if you're putting up a whole bunch of content, you're doing, you're writing every day, you're, you're putting posts up and you're only getting one or two tweets per post and no links and it's not getting traction, then that's like, that's a pretty good sign that content isn't good enough. And so I think the, the starting point needs to be you need to understand what represents good content for your audience. And um, I think it's sort of like a 50-50 balance between like proven things that, that we know are good. I mean, it might be things like the length of the content. Like I've found the longer posts, longer detailed, really actionable posts go really well. Um, simple things like formatting and um, headlines and like images, making sure the images are really high quality and you don't have just silly stock photos in there, like the images actually mean something to the content. If you're able to come up with ideas that are contrarian, um, that's something I've noticed that works really well. You can, it's a really good way to get people's attention. Um, if you're able to really access people's emotions, so like if you're able to talk about your journey and or talk about your story or the, or the people in your audience or your customers and, and do it in a way that really appeals to people, that's like a one of those fundamental things that like people people will resonate with, with, with that idea. Um, so there's that kind of fundamental stuff, but then there's, there's things you'll only learn from your audience. Like, like you don't really know who's going to be reading your content. So you don't know which, when you're starting out, you don't really know which content's going to work. So if you know what to pay attention to, then you, you'll gradually learn what works and you can build that into a, a framework for your, your staff to use. Mm. And I guess in terms of tracking and understanding what is working and what isn't, I know when we spoke in Sydney a few weeks ago, you said to me, well, there's probably only a handful of instances where I can really attribute you know, any direct sales to my content marketing. So with that being the case, with sales possibly in your case not being the direct measure of results, what are the sort of things that you are measuring to determine whether your content marketing is kind of moving you forward or you know, it's moving in a backward direction? Yeah, well, I want to measure whether or not people care about the content. So that's that's all I measure, and and the way I do it is is really quite simple. Um, I look at, I look for content that is what I would call a breakout hit. So on on WP Curve, the average post might have say ten tweets. Like if if someone's reading a post, that's good, but really want people to share it. If, it's, if people aren't sharing it, it's it's not good enough. Um, so I look for the content that is getting fifty plus tweets, and you know we've had we've had posts that have had five hundred plus, but um, we aim each month to have at least one post that gets fifty plus, um, and and those numbers are going to different uh, differ depending on your site and your audience. But I I care whether people are sharing their posts. So um, whether it be by replying to our emails or by commenting on the post. I pay close attention to what they say, and if they if they tell me that they've applied it, um, 
I got an email, a reply last week to an email we sent out. Um, and the, and the email said something like, this is really great. Um, I've been able to apply this directly in my business. And I think I sent out like some of these, um, I think I sent out like a strategy document, content marketing strategy document. Um, and the reply was like, oh, this is really good. I've been able to use this. I've modified it for my business and I'm, and I'm now using it as the strategy for my business. So to me, that's like the ultimate reply because people are actually using it. Um, if, if, if you're getting comments like, oh, this is a great post, thanks for mentioning me, or, you know, this is really interesting, then that's cool. I mean, getting people to comment is hard enough itself, but if they're, if they're, there's a massive difference between that and someone who says they're actually using it. Um, and if something is useful, then people will share it and they'll care a lot more about it. So I pay attention to that. Um, the, the other thing I like to see is uh, with my content specifically, I've noticed three things that stand out with content that works really well. One is actionable. So I look for comments that tell me whether people are using it. The other is um, emotional appeal. So I look for, like if I talk at a conference and someone comes up to me afterwards and said, I could really relate to that. Like I felt like you were telling my story then that's when I know it's it's worked. Um, if I don't get a comment like that, it means it hasn't really connected with people. Um, and the other one is that contrarian thing. So like if you get people getting on there and disagreeing with you or like sharing it on social media and saying, oh, this is a different perspective or something like that, then I think that's sort of grabbing someone's attention. And, and for me, that sort of content is what is what's worked really well. Well, I know in that document that you shared with me, there was a few sort of different types of content that you would look to explore breaking a kind of a topic out to and I think some of those are things like case studies and roundups and and how to's and and how not to which I guess is the contrarian approach do you find therefore with you sort of relying most on sort of actionable content or content should I say that seems to get the best results for you seems to be actionable based content do you find that a lot of your posts tend to be these sort of detailed sort of how to run through type posts uh, sometimes, but it might also just be like, um, like we've been writing a lot about the topic of remote um, staff. So, so an example there would be like a, a blog post that that gets a bunch of remote workers to give their own perspective on what it's like to work remotely. Um, and to me, that differentiates from normal blog posts that people put out there because people often don't ask their staff for advice on that sort of thing. And 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 we've done things like ask a bunch of remote workers from a whole bunch of different startups to share their perspective on what, what it's like to work remotely. And, and the people who are remote workers who are reading that can really relate to that. It's not like super actionable, but it's that thing where they're like emotionally connected to it. Um, and, and something like that works really well for sharing as well. Like if we're, if we're mentioning other companies, they're sort of like partnership posts where the, the other company will share that post as well. And we'll get in front of their audience. Um, so it's not all like super actionable stuff, but um, I think if we look at if we look historically at the posts that have done the best on the site, it is it is the actionable stuff. Like one example is a podcasting guide that was like three or four thousand words long. That was the the first post I did that really got a lot of traction, um, and it was literally step by step. Like this is everything you need to do to create a podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know in terms of my own experience and also that of my guests that I've had on this show, you know, their experiences also tend to suggest that, you know, certainly long form is always going to outperform short form just because of pure detail and perceived value, I guess, would be the the other part. And certainly kind of these how to actionable type stuff, because like you said, you want to leave people with not just a fuzzy feeling and a nice piece of content they've read, but actually some real, you know, real results that they can apply that they can then attribute to you know dan norris's post about podcasting and that's really the effect that we want to have right yeah and i think the, the other thing there is like if someone is going to go to the effort of clicking on a link on facebook or twitter to go to your site um it really needs to be worth their while so i think like short-term stuff you're almost better off just posting that directly on social media so people can just kind of see it and and it's in their face but but they don't have to go to the effort of waiting five seconds and clicking and, and waiting for the site to load and just keeping that really long detailed actionable stuff as like a resource that sits on your on your own page that you own yeah perfect well let's kind of get close to wrapping things up perhaps talking a little bit about how you promote your content once it's published i know that you've got systems in place for that and certainly targeted audience that you reach out to a standard for some of your content pieces. Do you want to just walk us through what you do sort of post-publishing with uh, piece of content that are on WP Curve? Yeah, we this is a, this is one of the frameworks I include in the book. Um, it's just, it's our process is not that involved because we've got a reasonable list already. Like when I first started, I was doing a lot more. But now the main things we do are we have a weekly email that we send to our list and we've got about, I think, 20,000 people on our list. Um, and we also do uh, scheduled tweets and that will that will generally be like a, a, a quotable reference in the article or it might be if like with a remote working one, we might um, schedule tweets that like a mentions type tweet where we'll say um, three remote workers from Zapier, Buffer and whoever share their thoughts on remote learn uh, remote working. So that will tag that other company in the post and, and maybe encourage them to tweet it. Um, we'll also do... Uh, like an image using Canva, um, if it's especially if it's like a something where we've interviewed someone or we've got a quote from someone for an article, and we'll just like put a nice image, maybe an image of them or something relevant, and put a quote on top of that, and then post that on social media, um, and that just kind of gets scheduled. All that gets gets looked after by the admin team. So when when uh, Kyle approves the post or writes a post, he'll fill in the content promotion document, and then the admin team just take that and do the rest of the work with it. Um, there's, there's a couple of sites we post our content to, but we don't do a lot of that these days. Cause I think it's sort of like early on, I used to post all of my content to a bunch of groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff, which you can do. Um, but now that we've got a reasonable audience as it is, I, I don't like to do that quite as much. Um, oh, let me see. That's, that's probably about all we do. There's a lot more you can do. Um, I think that's probably, we also do a, quite a bit of interlinking between our posts, nothing like technically sexy but just making sure we um we mention other stuff we've written during our content and we also do a lot of mentioning other people in our content and we we deep link to their site and we usually we usually tell them if we've linked to them we tell them that we've mentioned them in a post and sometimes we'll ask them to share it if we feel like that's a reasonable question to ask yeah i mean that relying on you know mentioned parties in content especially if they've also got a little bit of weight in your market as well tends to be very powerful because everyone likes to be mentioned and then of course shout about it when they have been right so um certainly would make sense and i think i think you need to be you need to sort of be careful with that like we don't 
we don't do that every time we release content. We don't ask people to share every post we do, but depending on the sort of content, it can work really well. Like we're doing one of the content pieces we're doing this month is a content marketing survey for startups. And I emailed a bunch of people. I emailed like guys like Heaton Shaw, Neil Patel, Noah Kagan, all these guys. I'm like, can you share this survey? Because it's good for the industry for us to do this survey. And um, that kind of thing, like you may as well ask people to share that because it's good for everyone. It's not, it's not really that self-serving. Um, and all of those guys shared it. And we got, a, we got like 30 or 40 responses in that one day that I did that. Um, and then when we create, when we sort of release all the content associated with the survey, we'll go back to those guys and we'll say, thanks for sharing it. Thanks for contributing. Um, here's the survey results. Please share it with your audience if you think it's useful. Yeah. And I guess because they've been involved in that process, the likelihood of them actually sharing it will be significantly increased, right? Because they feel like they're a bit of a part of it. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we should maybe sort of cover off some objections at this point. I guess one objection that a lot of people have around content is just the time it takes to pay dividends. And I guess you would be true testament to that, right? I mean, you're really plugging away with content before you really saw the, the biggest business benefits from it down the line. What other kind of objections do people have against sort of doing content that maybe you could answer? Well, I mean, there's definitely that one, um, which I can't answer other than say that it is, it's a long-term thing. Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few ways you can sort of hack that to some extent. Like really early on, I, I focused, I had this sort of 70-30 rule where like if you're just getting started, you do 70% of your content offsite and 30% onsite. And then you flip that back the other way once you've got enough audience to gain traction on its own. And so when I started, I did a whole bunch of articles offsite. I sent my best content to sites like ProBlogger and Think Traffic, um, which is now Fizzle, um, and other sites like that. And like a, a lot of my good stuff went outside and, is, and never ended up on my site because I was trying to sort of hack that natural slow process where it's just going to take forever to build up an audience. Um, and, and that works like you, you, you do get this external audience to your site. And if it's set up for conversions, you can sort of gradually build that email list. But I mean, fundamentally, content marketing is not a short term strategy. So I'd, I wouldn't even really necessarily try to deal with that objection other than to say that if you want a really short term strategy, then content marketing is not really the right choice. Um, other objections, I mean, most of the objections are probably misunderstanding more than anything. It's um, probably the most common one is is I want to do content marketing, but I don't want to actually write the articles um, or I don't like writing or I'm a slow writer, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. Um, and again, to me, I, I don't really, I'm not trying to sell content marketing, so I don't really have to respond to that. I, I, I just sort of say like, you need to find a unique way to market your business that, that is something you're good at. And so if someone's telling you you need to do content marketing, um, but, but if you really don't want to and you really don't have the skills for it and you don't have the patience to build up a sensible strategy and pay someone else to do it, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Well, I guess there's that same analogy for broad social media, right? I mean, content marketing is getting to the point now where it's becoming kind of a, a mainstay and a known terminology and businesses are beginning to you know, if they haven't done already, find out about it and probably been told that they should be doing it just like social media. I think there's that tendency to want to jump on it, even if it's not the right thing for them to be doing in the first place. So that's, that's right. But as long as you understand it before you, you decide, because I think like a lot of people just think, you know, you choose a hundred different topics and then you create a, you know, 200 word article about that topic and you put it on your site and, and that's content marketing and that's kind of SEO. But, um, that, to me, that doesn't work and it's never worked for me. 
And um, if that's what you think content marketing is, then it's worth spending a bit of time educating yourself to work out what it really is and, and realize that it's about actually being useful to people. And um, I don't know, you, you, people might actually find they like it a lot more than they think if they, if they can really write something that's useful for people. The other thing that I found was um, people sort of assume that they have to write specific content about their niche. Um, and that causes a lot of problems, I think. It, for one thing, it means the content you write is often very boring and not that interesting to the person writing it or reading it. Um, because you're like specifically trying to write for a keyword. Um, and I don't think you have to do that. I think you can just create content for a general broad audience, um, as long as it's broadly related to your business. And if it's useful, good content, I think you're better off doing that and creating something useful and and getting all the benefits of backlinks and social sharing and word of mouth and everything else. And I think people, once they sort of realize they got a license to do that and they can write about something a bit broader, and they're much more likely to enjoy doing it. Cool. Well, let's give our listeners some perhaps some action steps or at least some places to go off and explore as a result of this interview. I'm going to suggest that contentmachine.com is one. Um, Dan, you'll probably tell us exactly when that book is coming out. But I know if you visit contentmachine.com right now, you can pre-register for updates as you are working on the project. Would that be right? Yeah, so you can do that. And I've also got a link to the Facebook group there where I'm sharing a lot of the early chapters and some of the downloads and things. Um, in terms of when it'll be out, it'll be the first half of this year. I'm not exactly sure when because um, I've got to sort of rely on other people to do editing and formatting things, but um, hopefully like May, June this year. Um, and other other places, I guess just wpcurve.com forward slash blog, which is where you'll see our content. Um and I'm just I'm on all the all the social networks that I'm sure people on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and and yeah, and the like will find absolutely. So to you, the listener, if you want to find a link to all of those resources and Dan's social profiles, head on over to trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 69 that's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 69 where you can also join in on the discussion for this episode so yeah i think that leaves us pretty much to wrap things up dan all i just want to say is thanks for coming on absolutely been a blast and cool to hear part of your journey and also really where you're finding success right now so uh, thanks again for your time yeah thanks for having me anytime so a huge thank you to Dan Norris from WPCurve.com. And with that, we almost round out the episode. Now, of course, there will be another show coming up very, very soon. And to ensure that you don't miss that, be sure that you're subscribed via iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And to find the listing in both of those places, you can follow these two links. The first is trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes, which will, of course, take you to the iTunes player or trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher for Stitcher Radio. Now, to get all of the resource mentioned in this show, plus a downloadable MP3 and a full word-for-word transcript, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 69. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 69, where you can also join in on the discussion for this show. Now, we end Traffic Jam as we always do with a jam chosen by our guest. Dan Norris has asked me to choose a Kanye West track, and I've opted for the 2007 tune Stronger, which contains a sample by one of my favourite bands, Daft 
Punk. So enjoy this, Stronger by Kanye West, and I'll see you back here for episode 70 really, really soon. See you then. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this place. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my page. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Haters. That, 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 that don't kill me. Can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now. Cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now. Cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now. That's how long I've been on ya. Like right I don't know if you get a man or not. If you made plans or not. If God put me in your plans or not. I'm tripping this drink, got me saying a lot. But I know that God put you in front of me. So how the hell could you front on me? It's a thousand years, it's only one of me. I'm tripping, I'm caught up in the moment, right? Cause it's Louis Vuitton dying night. So we gon' do everything the kind like. Heard they do anything for a Klondike. Well, I'll do anything for a blind. And she'll do anything for the limelight And we'll do anything when the time's right Uh, baby, you're making it Better, Like I never told ya. Don't act like I told ya. Uh. Don't act like I told ya. Don't act like I told ya. Don't act like I told ya. Uh. Baby, you're making it all up and up, faster, stronger. That 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 don't kill me can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, 'cause I can't wait much longer. How long I've been on ya? I need you right now. I need you right now. You know how long I've been on ya. Since Christmas don't act alone ya. Since OJ had Isotoners. Don't act like I never told ya. You know how long I've been on ya. Since Christmas don't act alone ya. Since OJ had Isotoners. Don't act like I never told ya.
Subscribe for future episodes. Check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.